This is the advice I wish someone would have given me at 20 years old about leadership. Do you mind if I tell you a story? See, one thing about leadership is, is that we're learned or we're taught to think from the top down. What does that translate into, ED? Well, we say if we need to fix a problem, we need to go to executive leadership for it to transfer down to the second layer, layer of, of leadership and then the next layer of leadership and then eventually getting to the people that actually need the information. See, as part of the DISC assessment or everything DISC I, that I'm studying and working on, which you guys would definitely I'll definitely be rolling that out to the family. So if you're looking for personality tasks or workplace or leadership, that will definitely be there. But the point I'm sharing is, is because we were having a interesting conversation with our team and we had, we were in this breakout room and I, 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 I've heard the team members say, they said, Hey, we'll start at the, you know, I would start at the top and then work my, you know, work my way down. So the message would get down to the to the leaders down up down at the the lower levels and i sat there and i sat there and i was patient and i couldn't take it because you know every everyone I mean, i've heard that so many times i've said it more than i've heard it and I, and i don't know what happened in that moment i just had a a a moment of just I'm tired of hearing that. And it wasn't at the person that was saying it was at the, I was pointing the finger at myself because I've said that too. Hey, if we talk to executive leadership, we get leadership involved and then the message can get down to people that actually need the message. But that is not how you lead effectively. You see, what it is, is that what I, what I said is I said, excuse me, and I don't mean any disrespect because I truly didn't mean any disrespect. What I wanted to articulate in a way and say, hey, why do we always want to start at the top and work our way down? Why can't we start where we know the, where the problem truly is and then build that team up and then replicate that and then eventually go to the top? Because, see, if we always start at the top, it reminds me of the telephone game and family. I've shared this with you before. The telephone game, if you had five people uh, playing this game, it, it, it goes like this. And just use your mind with me as we walk through it is that I tell someone a message. They tell the, they tell the person the message that I just conveyed to them. And then they tell the, the next person, the next person. By the time it gets to the last person, their, the, the original message that I stated to the first person is not the same. And that's what happens a lot of times in leadership is which will will tell a message to someone and then it doesn't get to the people that actually need the message. Are you following what I'm laying down? You see, the whole point of this family, and I'm sorry that no, 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 I'm not sorry that I'm fired up about this is because this is the mantra that I see a lot of times in within projects, a lot of times within organizations. So today's episode is entitled Saved by Leadership, The Great Escape from Toxic Project Management. Again, Saved by Leadership, The Great Escape from Toxic Project Management. If you're new to the channel, I go by the name of ED. I have an eight-point framework in which I break down each, each point of these uh these topics and then we keep it moving. Here we go. First one, leadership style. So um, family, what I did was I, I looked at two leadership styles that I was just interested in and, and I wanted to learn more about, about. One was autocratic and the other one was transformational. See, 
autocratic is the one where it's more or less that they need to have more control over their employees' actions. And transformational, the one that I really enjoy, the one that I hope that if you're listening and paying attention to this video that you will become more accustomed and get more engaged in is a leadership style that focuses on building a cohesive and committed team. You see, to me, autocratic to me is a, a, a manager or a leader that is interested where you have a transformational, this the word transform, and we look at the root and we the root cause is meaning that we're trying to transform our team. See, what we don't want to happen is, is that, and watch this family, is that we have people just making choices instead of decisions. See, there's a difference when you make a decision, as, My as Myron Gold talked about, versus making a choice. You see, a lot of people make a lot of choices in life. Like, I choose to eat this even though I know it's not good for me. I choose to not work out because even though I know I need to. See, when you make a decision, you say, okay, I have made a decision to be disciplined by eating the right things. It doesn't have to be right all the time. I made a decision to um, choose how many days of the week I'm going to work out. So when you take that away from managers or leaders of having the ability to make decisions instead of having to, and they have to make choices on a constant basis because they're so afraid of their losing their position or their prestige because of the role or the title they've been uh, ingrained with, we have a problem, Houston. You see, family, this is why the transformational aspect of, especially when you're leading a project, if you've all, if you've been watching me for a while, I always talk about project leadership and not project management, meaning that we want to lead, we don't want to manage because that's one of the things I love about Scrum is they're self-organizing versus saying it's a dictatorship. Okay, maybe I beat that point up too much. Move on to point number two, communication mastery. As I was sharing at the beginning of this video, I was sharing a story and the story was really about something that happened with me earlier today as we were going through our training for uh, something I'm rolling out to you guys really soon around the DISC assessment. And that conversation alone really showed me the importance of how we can continue to grow and have open communication. The team that I was with when we had the breakout sessions they were so open-minded, which I appreciated because they didn't have to be. They could have just said, no, how, you know, if, if we don't start from the top down, how is, how is the message going to be effective and, and how they're going to have the influence? They didn't go there. They listened. Because sometimes, family, in order to be great, in order to be exceptional, first you need to be able to listen to what the person is saying and not already formulating a thought. See, then at that point, we had a great dialogue between us because we were, we were able to be free, meaning that everyone felt vulnerable enough to say where they agreed and disagreed. And that right there, family, is what makes uh, the project or your team feel comfortable. And now they go from being interested to being committed. And that meaning having that means you gotta have effective communication and to when chaos shows itself, because it will, if you ever led a project, if you never had no chaos, then that means you've never led a project. I love what I love what T D Jakes talked about when he talked about, hey, 
I really don't want to uh, work with anybody and I'm paraphrasing. He probably said it different than this. So I'm going to take the bits that I, I kind of recall where he said that that really never been through anything because somebody that's never been through anything when something ha happens, they panic and and we all may panic. But the difference is, is that at least they know there's a way out. And so I say that to say that we have to make sure when you're leading a project, chaos is supposed to come. But how you respond, how you react, how you be, how you become proactive by having your risk register in place with a mitigation response is how you can have the success. Let's move on to point number three. Point number three, conflict resolution. Being able to have the ability to explore techniques to diffuse conflicts and keep the project on course. One of my favorite books um, that I talked about, I need to go back and reread that, is Crucial Conversations. The justice is being able to have conversations with people that may be a little uncomfortable. I'm having an uncomfortable conversation with you of saying, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on. So let me first, before I make a judgment, let me ask you some questions. How's things at home? How's things at home? See, you see, I started there because there may be something personal that's happening or in, their, in someone's personal life that is affecting their output at work, that's affecting how they show up at work, that may be really having an impact on their life. But what most managers do, they jump on the person and say, you're just not delivering. Why, you know, you need to do this and not really taking the time to nurture the conversation. So by nurturing the conversation and having those crucial conversations and getting to the watch this family, to the root and not just the surface level, allows for a better conversation between you and your stakeholders. Let's move on to point number three. I mean, four, risk management. Can you tell I'm fired up about this? I don't know why, but I'm, I'll tell you why, fellas. The reason why I'm fired up about this is because I'm, uh, as my mom would say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when you get to that point, you have to speak up. And if you don't speak up, then someone else could be hurt and being hurt, meaning that they may walk away from a great team. You may lose a great team member, or I should say stakeholder, because of your inability to articulate in a healthy way, hey, this is what's going on. But let me let me uh, digress and get back to my point. Risk management, the uh, being able to be proactive on risk so it won't avert the project, meaning that the project disasters, like I said, chaos. Risks are bound to happen, but making sure that we don't have those risks turn into an issue. And if they do turn into an issue, how in our issue law, what is our, what's our response with, with that? Let's move on to point number five, scope management. You always know uh, when a project is really about to go left, when scope management is not handled really well, where features and benefits are, are added additionally. We call that what? Scope creep. Exactly, family. So being able to properly uh, control the scope, it will really pre prevent the project from going off the rails. Point number six, one of my favorites that you guys don't hear me say a lot, that's my favorite. You normally hear me say communication and collaboration, but also stakeholder engagement. Under, you know, stake, stakeholder engagement is an art. It's an art of keeping stakeholders satisfied and engaged throughout the, the project. Now let's unpack satisfied though, because sometimes that satisfaction can go too far. You know, Burger King has a, a uh, their slogan was, uh, the customer is always, uh, no, excuse me, uh, you can have it your way, but that's not true. 
You can't have it your way. What you can have is you can place the order and if it's within our menu, then yes, you can have it your way. And that's sometimes what we have to do with projects uh, with our stakeholders on projects is yes, you can have it your way as long as it's within scope, as long as it's within budget, as long as it's meeting the timelines and it also fits the quality. That is our iron triangle. So yes, you can have it your way, but family, we have to ensure that we're holding the stakeholders accountable and responsible. If we miss that first part, what is accountable, then we may miss out on the second part of holding them responsible. Let's move on to point number seven. Having an agile and adaptive leadership style, what does that mean? Being able to embrace the agility and the adaptability in leadership and respond to changing project dynamics. I always use this story and I always say it's so true. Listen, if I took a piece of paper and I threw it in the, in the garbage and you took a piece of paper and walked it over and threw it in the garbage, as long as we achieve the same outcome, which is what? Getting the piece of paper in the garbage, it doesn't matter how it happened as long as it's ethical, as long as it's within um, that we didn't break no bound, uh, boundaries with regards to our triple constraints, then what is the problem? A lot of times I'll see leaders uh, and that's that autocratic type of approach. Well, oh, we have to do it this way. There's only one way to do it. No, it's not just that way to do it. There's a, a multitude of ways to do it. As long as I get you the outcome, where are you concerned about everything else? And, and as, our, as long as our stakeholders are happy at the same time, excuse me, satisfied, then what is the problem? See, a lot of times uh, you can have leadership that will get in an autocratic approach instead of a transformational approach to how that should be run. And that's why I love the agile and adaptive leadership, because you're willing to be adaptable and saying, hey, this is this is not working. We're going to have to change it up. We already know what Einstein said. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing, doing the same thing, doing the same thing. And what? Expecting different results. No, that's not going to happen, as my mama would say, baby Baba. Let's move on to the last and final point. Ethical decision maker. Listen, you're going to have to have the ability to navigate through dilemmas, which may affect the integrity of your project. And navigate, especially if you're a PMP or a CAPM or ACP or any of these titles, this is why um, I am I am a I'm impressed by PMI because they actually you're tested on this as well. Uh, their their certification has a you know their. I'm getting so excited, I apologize, but I don't really apologize because I'm so excited about how their ethics hold you accountable. And that that one thing to me is amazing. Um, they recently released that, hey, uh, you can't just say, like, I take the test and automatically I, I'm saying I'm a PMP. No, you have to wait up to five business days before you can find out. And again, I don't know why that, that was happening. Maybe people were, were saying they were PMPs when they weren't. And for someone that really put in the heart, the hustle, the grind, the grit, I understand, like, I don't have no problems with it, except for, you know, it was already, I was already nervous going in. So now, instead of getting it right there, you're telling me I'm out the way, but I love it because they were being adaptable and they want to keep that prestige on the PMP or the CAPM or the ACP and any other certification that PMI offers. So that's one thing that I truly love and I appreciate about what they do. So family, I hope you enjoyed today's video. Uh, I know I kind of went 
I went in today, but it, it, it needed to happen. And, and I'm, I'm going to do more of this, family. I'm not holding back anymore. I'm, I'm holding back because I'm like, man, maybe this is too much. But no, I need to go and give you my best, give you and, and continue to, to strive to be exceptional. So family, till next time, this is your boy ED. You know my slogan. And now.